Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good morning. Welcome to one of our very first, our first round of ACV convention sessions. Um, I am here to introduce our Vespero session, and I'd like to thank Vespero for their Emerald sponsorship for the convention. You can also check Vespero out in the exhibit hall and in their Zoom room. And now I would like to introduce the Vice President of Software Product Management, Eric Damery. Eric, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Janet. It's uh, great to be here. Welcome to ACV, everybody. This is our uh, first session uh, of many. We're going to be around quite a bit next week, so I, I hope everybody has an opportunity to stop by and join us. Um, I thought that today we'll start off by we'll run through some introductions just so that you know everybody who is here and i know uh, just before anybody gets confused i see that several people have used the link that was passed to me so i know uh, rachel for instance from our training department is represented as eric damry on here no today way. so yeah that's all I'm right gonna rename myself rename yourself and somebody else i'm not sure who it is but I there's think it's somebody elizabeth else oh Guilty. elizabeth is in there so these I'll guys they'll probably rename themselves so you'll yeah. be able to have some official title there but so we'll, we'll run through our introductions um i think i'll come back on and walk through uh, some of the specials that are going on, of course, during the convention this year. This is always a, uh, you know, somebody's always got a question about it. And I think it's really important. This is the time of year you want to be thinking about where am I at on my licensing for software? Do I have any hardware needs that this would be the, the time to be doing it? So I'll try and run through all of that. And um, we'll certainly answer questions uh, in that category when the, the time comes for questions. We'll talk about software releases, what's coming up as soon as next week, and then what's going to happen in September and October. And, uh, and then we'll talk about some of the hardware uh, stuff, and we'll turn it over to some of the hardware staff to talk about what's going on uh, with the products that they're going to discuss here today. And then we'll open it up for questions, and we'll try and keep at least 30 minutes. If we can get 45 minutes in for questions or even an hour, that would be great too, because uh, depending on the audience. So I do see one hand up already. And what I'd like to do is ask that, uh, I don't mind you raising your hand, you can get in line, but we'll hold off the questions for the time being. We'll um, put some information out there first. And with that, let's run around and do introductions. As Janet mentioned, I'm Eric Damry. I'm the VP of uh, Software Product Management. I've been attending ACB conventions for years. And this is, as I've told many people, one of my favorite times of the year to be able to go to these conventions and have lots of discussions with lots of users. So bring your questions. And with that, I'll pass it over to maybe Michelle. Oh, thank you, Eric. Um, I am Michelle Williams, and I come from the hardware side of the uh, product assortment through Enhanced Vision and have been in the industry for about 
18 plus years. And uh, this, I don't come to this convention very often. At least I, I didn't used to very much because we were primarily hardware. So I feel like a kid in a candy store knowing that I've got blindness software. I have Braille products and am part of this awesome Vispero team. So thank you for having me. Great, Rachel. Thanks, Eric. My name is Rachel Buchanan. I currently lead the user education and outreach team at Vespero, and we do all the training and documentation for our different brands and products. And I have one of my team members with me, so I'll pass it off to her. All right. Thanks, Rachel. I am Liz Whitaker. I'm also on the user education and outreach team. I am a technical writer. I write a lot of our blog posts as well as training uh, documentation. And I also do a lot of our trainings. So I'm very happy to be here today as well. Great. And Mike Wood. Thanks, hey, everybody. Mike Wood here, Strategic Accounts Manager for Education. So focus on K-12 and higher ed um, and happy to be here. I think the last in-person one I was at was Ohio a couple of years back, which was many years ago now, but happy to be here and appreciate it. Look forward to meeting everyone in person again soon. Excellent. We saved the smoothest voice and well-recognized in the industry for last. Hi, Ron. Hi, Eric. I don't know if that would be me today, <laughs> fighting a cold, oh. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here. I think you are the most recognized. You're Mr. Jaws, <clears throat> but uh, I am Ron Miller. I'm the blindness technology product specialist here with Vispero, and I've been around for, wow, 21 years. Um, I say that, and it just amazes me because I used to be the new guy in all of this, <clears throat> working with Eric, with Ted Henter, with Dean Blazy back in the day, and I was this newbie, but I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to our time together today, and I'm looking forward to our time, hopefully in person next year as well. Excellent. Um, so next, and I hope I didn't miss anybody. I think I got us all. Uh, by the way, good morning, Larry Gassman. I know you're sitting in, in, in here with us. Good morning, Eric. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, pricing and what should you be thinking about if it's convention time and you've got a license? How do you check? What are the opportunities? What's the best way to find out? So we'll take this in a couple of steps and we'll first going to talk to the folks that have been around for quite a while and have the ILM licenses. So you got an auth code at some point, put it onto your computer, you have the three keys, and if one goes away, you lose it. And when they all go away, you have to ask for a key reset. So you've got one of those ILM licenses. Um, you should double check your about box and get your serial number. If you're not sure, see if you have any SMA remaining. And if you're not positive, if your license SMA has been updated in the about box, maybe the easiest way to do this is going to freedomscientific.com. And on that page, if you do a links list, you'll find something called SMA and updates. Choose that link and you'll land in an edit field where you can input your ILM serial number. It'll do a lookup of that serial number if you're in the United States and it will find out what version you're at and tell you what the options are. Now, the options that you could be at is either your um, current, so you have 2021 version, but you don't have an SMA. 
or it's something earlier than 2021, or it's something 2021 with an SMA included. If you have 21, 2021 version with no SMA, you can, and it's a home license, you can add uh, an SMA to your license right there from that page. It'll tell you the price. And uh, this is a good time to take advantage of it because it's a 20% discount. So what would normally be 150 is discounted to 120. Now, because you didn't renew at the right time, it's actually going to bump it to 180 because they charge a $60 premium. But basically, you'll get the next two years of updates for 90 bucks a year. So it's a pretty good deal. Now, if you have an SMA remaining, you can pay the 120 and add two more years on. So you can add two years at 60 bucks a year if you do it at this during the convention time. So it's a good time to do it. If your version is older than 2021, so let's say you're back on 2019, you would need to purchase two upgrades. You'll get a 20% discount on those double upgrades, but that's still going to run you about 240. And then you can add an SMA for 120 on top of that for about 360. Or you can pay attention to part two here that I'm going to talk about the home annual licenses because it's more affordable for you. And I think it's a good time to consider it. So if you've fallen out of favor with your SMA, if you're behind, consider the home annual license. Otherwise, consider getting those renewals done uh, right away. Now, if you're one of the users that still has a professional uh, license, the discount's not applied for you if you go and look it up on the homepage. But uh, if you have a pro license, I want you to think about uh, why you have it. If you're using it because you go to a place of business and you install your license on their machines and you use it for your job, then you have it for the right reason. You should keep that pro license. And I will ask that you call customer service this week. Let them know you're at the ACB convention. You heard it from us that you should call in and they're going to give you a 20% discount if you want to add the SMA to your pro license. But you will have to go to customer service for that. If you have a pro license and you don't take it to an office and you don't install it on any computers other than your own personal computers, then I want you to call customer service and talk to them and consider converting it down to a home license. You won't lose any functionality. Um, but as long as you're only going to use your license on your own personal equipment, you're going to save a lot of money on those SMAs in the future. So consider downgrading it to a home license. And again, the customer service people will be happy to help you convert it down and then let you purchase the SMA. So for those of you who do not have a license today and you're interested in spending a small amount of money and in getting into a license or you uh, maybe already have one of these home annual licenses and you're interested to see what the opportunities are to add to it, or you have an old ILM license, so you want to hear what I'm going to tell you about these home annuals. This is for you. Um, we started selling these in the United States uh, two or three years ago. Home annual licenses, you manage your license through the portal, much like you would an Office 365 license. So you make the initial purchase. You can do it right through our e-store. And by the way, I know oftentimes a few Canadians come to the convention when it's virtual. If you're in Canada, I got good news. I want you to go to the Optelec website in Canada 
And on their homepage, you'll find a link to be able to enter into the home annual program. So in Canada, you can take advantage of this home annual portal product. You'll get it for the same prices as the U.S. customers. You'll even get the discount for the trade show. And you can start into the home annual program right now. But you got to go to the Optelec website and click the link and come into the store from the Optelec page and you'll get access to those home annual licenses. Now, the home annual licenses include JAWS, ZoomText, and even Fusion. JAWS is normally $95. It's on sale at the convention for $76 a year right now. Um, ZoomText is normally, help me out here, 90 or, nine, or 85, and it's discounted 20%. I don't know what the number is. Uh, I think it's 72, maybe 70. I forget. And Fusion is normally 170 and it's down 20% off of that right now. If you, if you don't have a home annual now, you'd start at the e-store and you can purchase one, three, or five years. Now, there isn't a price break when you buy three or five years, other than the fact that you're hedging against the future when prices may go up. You're buying ahead and you're not going to have to pay that price increase in the future if, in fact, there is one, which I wouldn't be surprised uh, if I were a betting man, the prices will keep inching up. We already went up from 90 to 95 recently, so it could continue to go up a bit in the future. So if you can buy ahead, buy ahead now, get the 20% discount on each and every one of those years that you buy. If you have a home annual license already, um, let's say you've still got a year or two years left on it. This is still a good opportunity for you to consider adding to that license. So for you, you want to log into the portal, portal.freedomscientific.com with your username, which is your email address and your password that you created. And if you don't remember your password, there's a option there for forgot my password and it'll help you do a reset of the password and then log in and on next to your product, you'll find a renew button. And if you choose the renew button, it'll ask you what you want to add. You can add one, three, or five years to your license. It just tacks it right onto the end. So you don't lose anything that's remaining. It just adds it to the end of it and uh, you'll be all set. Now, the nice thing about the portal licenses, there's a, there's a lot of nice things about it, but the two key things I like to point out and remind people, it's, it's like Microsoft Office uh, 365 in the, in the sense that you can move the license onto a computer and you can move it back off. And you don't even have to be at the computer to recover your license. So let's say you went to a relative's house or a friend's house and you sat down at their computer to do something and you put your license on there. And then you got home and you said, oh, I forgot to take my license off. Well, you can just log into the portal, find that particular computer that has your license and say, deactivate that, please. And it'll just take the key back. So, and it restores it into your portal so that you can use it on the next computer. If you had a computer that got destroyed or crashed or whatever, don't worry, the key will get recovered and you won't lose it. So you'll never have to ask for a key reset again. The other nice thing about the portal licenses is when you have that, you don't have to think about SMAs. You're entitled to every update and every upgrade that'll come out during that time. So once you've gotten started, if 2022 comes out this fall, which it will, uh, if you bought a home annual license for one year, you'll get to use the 2022 version as it comes out also. 
So I think that covers it on the software side. Now, Open Book is another product that we've got, and that's normally $9.95, but during the trade show, I think you can find it on the store for $1.95. If it's not on the store for $1.95, call customer service and tell them you're calling up to see about Open Book Special, and I'm sure you can get that for $1.95 during the convention. And hardware also has some specials. Um, Pearl Camera, for one, I believe is down to $2.95 during the show. The Pearl Camera is a nice portable camera on a stick. It folds up, fits in your backpack. Uh, it's been around for years. It's very durable, very lightweight, has a USB cord on it, so it's easy to connect. You don't have to fiddle with Bluetooth or anything. You just plug it into your USB port on your PC. It'll work with Open Book, JAWS, or Fusion. Uh, you can use it with the convenient OCR feature and uh, even with PictureSmart on the uh, PC. Uh, and of course, it works great with Open Book. It has a sensor in it so that you can set it up for multi-page scan. So you can put a book under it or a stack of papers and it'll take a picture of one, flip it and get the next one, flip it, get the next one and go right through and get the whole stack. And then, and then, and then you can go and read it and process it. Um, in addition to that, there are a lot of specials on the low vision hardware and Mike or Michelle, maybe one of the two of you can run through what those specials are. If you know them offhand. Um, yeah, sure. Sure thing. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, we've got some great specials. Michelle and I uh, were talking about these the other day and excited. So that we've got the Ruby uh, for $250, uh, the Pebble HD handheld video magnifier for $350, uh, the Ruby XL HD handheld video magnifier for $600. Uh, and Michelle, do you have them in front of you? Do you want to cover the other ones there or do you want me to roll no, on? Keep, keep going. You're doing keep great. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got the Compact 6 HD bundle. Uh, which the Compact 6 is the six-inch touchscreen. Uh, and that also comes with the, gosh, a carrying case and the reading stand and the uh, head-worn part, the wear, which is kind of like a uh, virtual reality glasses. And that's 1,036. So that's a great deal. Uh, the Clearview Go, 15-inch, uh, which is $2,100. Uh, and then we have 20% off all other hardware. So that's the low vision stuff there and 20% off the rest. Fantastic. Yeah. <clears throat> now, as far as release schedules and what's going on with uh, software, uh, I will tell you that we are on track for a Tuesday morning uh, update for JAWS, Fusion, and ZoomText. So if you're going to convention and you're going to be on your computer, don't be surprised next Tuesday midday or so if you restart your license your jaws your zoom text you'll probably get the announcement that an update has hit um, by all means uh, we'd like you to get it but if you're paying attention and running on zoom remember it's going to ask you to reboot your computer so you probably don't want to interrupt yourself uh, if you're attending a conference session wait till it's over and then you can go back and you can uh, check for updates right in the help menu and you can get it then um, the big change, and there are a lot of enhancements coming on the JAWS side. I'm, I'm not going to try and run through those, but there is a big change coming for those of you who use ZoomText and Fusion in the update next week. And let me explain a bit about that. Um, in May, we released an update that included something called a quick access bar, QAB. 
And the QAB is like a short, like a little shortcut menu. And Microsoft Office products have these things where you can set up a shortcut to launch a feature and you can put them right in the bar and then they get numbered one through eight and you can access the quick their their quick access bar and then you can hit the number and it'll do that feature so if you maybe in word you like to insert tables all the time you you might put table up there in your quick access bar and you don't have to go looking through the ribbons to find it or remember the key combinations to get to it so that's the idea of a quick access bar and zoom text and fusion now have that but you had to know the keystroke to find it uh, or know the command to do with the mouse. And I will tell you right now what the command is for the mouse, because I think this is the best way to get to it. But you hold down the caps lock key and you hit the right mouse click, just click it. And it brings the quick access bar right into your view, puts it right in front of you in the magnified window where your mouse was located. And you can then go down, pick the feature you wanted, and toggle it. So for instance, let's say you wanted to increase your magnification level. You don't want to learn the keystrokes to do this stuff. So you would bring up the quick access bar and there's a little increase button and you can increase it or decrease it. Or maybe turn mouse echo on and off. There's a button right there in your quick access bar and you can do that. When you're done, you click back in the window that you're working in and the quick access bar would go away. Uh, in the July update next week, we're going to dock it by default. So when you install the update and run Zoom Text or Fusion by default, the quick access bar is going to be sitting on the right edge of your uh, screen, uh, not in the magnified view, but on the right edge of Windows. So if you slide your mouse all the way to the right and kind of up towards the top, you'll find the quick access bar just sitting there. It's a little narrow window with the various features that you have determined that you would like to use that'll always be there. So if you don't even want to have to do the caps lock and the right mouse click, you can always just slide over to where it is, click the item you want and slide back. But you can still do that command caps lock, right mouse click. It'll take it out of the docking location, bring it right to where you were, right where you're working, make your adjustment, click back in the window and it goes right back to the docking spot. So that's the big change. Now, the quick access bar is nice in the sense that you customize it. Everybody's quick access bar can be unique. And uh, what I might want to keep on the quick access bar may not be what you want. You can have up to eight different items. Um, if you already have eight, you'll need to delete something in order to add something else. So if it's full, if you have eight of eight already in there, find something that you don't use and delete it, and then you can add something in. Um, I'll give you a little sneak preview as well. Coming up in 2022, we're gonna make another change to quick access bar. And that is we're gonna make it application specific. It'll be context driven. So if you're working on the web, you might want certain things in the quick access bar and they'll appear. And then if you switch focus maybe to Windows Explorer or Microsoft Word, the quick access bar can change and have other things. So it'll be an application specific settings for it coming up in the 2022 update. Now, 
2022 is our next release. It's an SMA release. It will come out around the end of October, as we do each and every year. And there'll be a public beta available, just as there is each and every year. And you'll be able to get one uh, for JAWS, ZoomText, or Fusion. They install in separate directories. You'll be able to watch for those the first week in September. The nice thing about the public betas is they don't necessarily interfere with the existing version you've got. So if you've got 2021 installed or 2022, even if you don't have authorization, by the way, for 2022, if you didn't get the upgrade or you didn't get the SMA, as long as you can run 2021, it'll run the public beta until the end. And then you'd have to have that SMA uh, put in place. So the 2022 will come out in September. There'll be a form on the downloads page where we post all the information about it. There'll be a a form there. And if you find some issue or you have some question, or maybe you even want to tell us, hey, you guys did good on this, you can go to that form and fill it out and submit it to us. And that helps us. That helps us shape it. That's why we try and get this out early September. So we have an opportunity to make some adjustments to the initial release. But even if we get into October and you're submitting a form to us and there's not enough time to make that adjustment before the first release, those things matter. And we'll take them and oftentimes they'll show up in a December update or a January or February update. So keep submitting those forms until the final release, uh, until the initial release comes out. And then we'll ask that you call to tech support if you find an issue and we'll bring it through the regular channel. So. I guess everybody wants to know what's going to be in the 2022 update of JAWS. Also, I'm not going to tell you about it today, except I'm going to tell you one thing to pay attention for when you get the public beta. Um, Everybody may be familiar with a feature that we added into the software just recently this year. It's something that if you use Zoom or you use teams or listen to YouTube videos. It's a feature that has been very, very helpful. And that is to adjust the volume of JAWS separate from the volume of the other application. So if you're listening to a Zoom meeting and you need to go multitask, you might want to lower your volume of JAWS down so that you can still hear what the presenter is saying, but you can kind of hear in the background what JAWS is talking about as you're navigating and they don't stomp on each other. And in order to do that, it's, uh, it's a keystroke adjustment, insert uh, spacebar, which is our layered command, right? You hold down the insert key and you tap the spacebar and you'll hear the little sound. And then you would hit V for volume. And then you would hit J for JAWS because you don't want to adjust the system volume at this point. You want to adjust the JAWS volume and just turn the JAWS speech down. So insert space, V for volume, J for JAWS. Now you can press up and down arrow and it will lower or raise the JAWS volume, or you can use page up and page down to go in larger increments. And that adjustment will stick across this uh, application. Uh, so you don't have to, if you, if you go to something else, it'll stay there at that lower volume until you raise it back up. Unless you restart JAWS, I think it resets it. I could be wrong on that, I can't remember. Um, But that is the volume adjustment and you can also adjust system volume. 
Now, when the September public beta comes out, I'm going to ask that you go into insert space V, and I'm going to ask that you use the question mark key. The question mark key shows you everything that's available at the volume layer. So today, if you do it, you'll see that there's a J and an S for JAWS and system in the uh, first update uh, or in the first release of the public beta. I think there's going to be another item there that's going to be really exciting. So I want you to pay attention to that. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Um, with that, I think I'll stop talking and throw it over to maybe Rachel and Liz. I've talked a bunch about releases and pricing and a couple of features. What's going on in the training department that all of these JAWS and ZoomText users are gonna benefit from? Rachel, you're muted. There you are. Hi. All right, so we are really excited to be here at convention and helping kick things off. And I will just talk for a minute about some of the different ways that we are trying to engage with you all. So we try to put ourselves out there on a lot of different platforms in the hopes that you feel comfortable with one of them enough to start engaging with us, start talking to us about what you like, what you don't like, and we love to hear from you all. So if you haven't already heard me say, we do have a training podcast. It's been around for about one year. When we spoke at convention last year, we were just kind of kicking it off. Now it has more than 50 audio episodes all available for free. So you can listen to those on your smartphone or you can ask your home assistant like your Google Home or your Amazon Echo. You'll say the wake word and then play the Freedom Scientific Training Podcast. If you're on your smartphone, it's really nice because you can just Search for the Freedom Scientific Training Podcast, subscribe so you get every new episode, but you can also look through the feed at all 50 episodes that we've done in the past and choose topics if you'd like to listen to things like how to navigate YouTube or, you know, just using Microsoft Word, whichever topic you're most interested in. And you can also go back, pause, play, etc. So that's our podcast, which we did tell you about last year, but it's still going strong. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. Another avenue that we've been connecting a lot on is Clubhouse, which I know I've talked about a little bit recently in ACB community events. So if you attend those, you may have heard. And Eric actually comes to a lot of those as well. And so does Elizabeth and Matt Ader. So that is an app that's on the iOS or Android phone or mobile device, and it's all audio. It allows people to go into rooms, talk on stage. You can listen to the audience or you can raise your hand and you can be brought up to stage and interact and engage. It's a lot of fun. And we do two sessions a week there on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then every month we do have a webinar, except for this month, just because it's convention month and everyone is so busy, but we're still putting out content. So even though there's not a webinar this month, we usually do our software webinars on the third Thursday of every single month. But this month, we're going to release two lessons, compensate for the fact it's not live, I guess. And both of them will be available on July 31st. One of them is tips and tricks for power users on Excel, and the other is tips and tricks for power users on PowerPoint. So that will be, I think, really interesting to many of you who may have already worked through the basic lessons. If not, that's fine. We have those too. 
But for those of you who might use these tools on a more day-to-day -day basis, these are going to be packed with really good information about both PowerPoint and Excel. And again, those are available on July 31st. If you haven't ever attended one of our webinars, we do archive them all. I'm going to throw one URL. That's all. Just one, which is freedomscientific.com forward slash training. Sorry if you've heard me say that a hundred times, but on that page, you can go through it just pressing H and reviewing the headings. There's a lot of interesting information there, including information about the podcast, our YouTube channel, all the different ways that we attempt to connect with you all. And you can visit the heading that will speak webinars on demand. Under that, you'll find a link to go to our archive webinars page. That's where you'll download these tips and tricks webinars that I just mentioned. And in addition, you'll have access to all the webinars we've done in the last two years going back. And we do choose those topics based on your requests. They're about 90 to 95% based on your request. So if you do have suggestions, comments, or questions about anything I've said, because I know I rattle it off really fast, please make time to send us an email and ask us whatever question comes to mind about training. Our email address is training, that's with an I-N-G, T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G, at Vespero, that's Victor, V as in Victor, I-S, P as in Papa, E-R-O.com training at thesparrow.com. We are perfectly happy to help you work out step-by-step -step instructions. If you need clarification on anything I've said, just shoot us an email. And that's all from me right now. And I will hand it back to Eric. He may be muted. I was. Sorry all about right. that. Thank you, Rachel. And uh, Rachel will stick around with Elizabeth and we'll uh, have them for some questions. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes, I'm going to be throwing it over to Ron if his cold is going to uh, hold up. But before he does, I thought of one other thing on software I wanted to mention. We got a lot of questions just recently about Windows 11. Everybody said, hey, we just heard Windows 11 is coming out this fall. What does this mean? So before uh, we get to the questions on that one, let me just run through what it means. Uh, this will be the next release uh, for Microsoft, and they are going to maintain uh, security patches and updates on Windows 10, but they're going to be building upon Windows 11 going forward. Now, if you have JAWS 2021 today, uh, I would encourage you to make sure you install the July update. We put in a, uh, one or two small little adjustments to make Windows 11 talk uh, better but uh, we've been testing with the Insider build and I feel confident we are all set and ready to go. Um, if you do plan on converting your computer from Windows 10 to Windows 11, you might wanna go to the Microsoft uh, page or go to Google search and look for uh, check my computer for Windows 11. And uh, they have a, a, a something you can do to make sure that you check it out and make sure that it's gonna be uh, receptive to Windows 11 because there is a hardware requirement and some of the older computers probably won't run it. But uh, if you did buy your computer over the past four or five years, you should have no trouble. Uh, be worth to check it out ahead of time just to be sure before you uh, put it on. It is scheduled to come out sometime in the fall. There are insider builds now. 
And I know that there are quite a few people who are already running it and testing it. And uh, if you are going to get it, by all means, get your SMA in place because 2022 will be getting most of the changes and features and enhancements going forward. And you'll want to you know, keep up with our software as you update your operating system. So with that, and I know that somebody's going to ask about Elbrill, is that going to work with uh, uh, Windows 11? So Ron, why don't I pass it over to you and let you uh, jump in? Okay, very good. Thanks, Eric. <clears throat> My cold is doing fine. It's whether I hold up or not. <laughs> Sorry, I sound kind of hoarse here. Well, this is an exciting time to be here. Of course, a lot of new changes coming with uh, all the software you've talked about. We've got some changes coming on the hardware side as well, <clears throat> both with the, the focus braille display. Now I can't give any hard dates. Our product manager for hardware is not here with us. And that's the guy you always want to put on the spot. And uh, I'd say it's kind of nice not being that guy. <laughs> Since I've changed hats, I don't, uh, I don't have to field that particular when's it going to be out question. And uh, I am impressed Eric, that you gave us not only when this next uh, update for 2021 is coming, but you gave us a day and almost an hour. <clears throat> and that's pretty impressive. So there is a firmware release coming for the Focus Braille display. I know it is coming soon. I don't have a hard date for you, though, but it is coming soon. And there's some things that a lot of folks have been asking for in <clears throat> over the last few years, and those things are coming uh, to be implemented. They're coming to fruition. The biggie that we hear, and there's not a ton of people, but there's a steady request for one-handed mode. There are some folks that are Brailsters, they're Braille readers. Uh, there's some motor issues where they can't use both hands to Braille like they would want to. So we are implementing a one-handed mode on the Focus Braille display, the Focus Blue fifth generation Braille display. One that I'm, a feature that I'm really excited about, and it harks all the way back to the Blazy engineering days. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the old Blazy note takers, the Braille Lite, the Millennium, used to be able to flip between or toggle between the currently open file and the previously open file, just jump back and forth between them. So you weren't really multitasking, but you were, you were uh, time slicing sort of between the two. So that will be possible now with the next firmware build. Something that a lot of people have asked for in Scratchpad, and this, this is all in Scratchpad, except for one-handed mode will be system-wide but the ability to toggle between the previous and current app, uh, current file is, is in Scratchpad. Also in Scratchpad will be the ability to get the page number and page count if the, uh, if the firmware can actually can uh, deduce it, can parse it. <clears throat> and page number and count means, again, in this context, it will be the number of, what page number you're on and what line you're on. So you might be on page 25, line four. And uh, it's, the, the focus will try to do that for example, in a, in a BRF file, assuming 25 lines per page and a 40 cell line, which is the US standard. <clears throat> I don't know if there's going to be a way to change that or not, um, but that's what's coming up there. The, uh, uh, the ability to reverse the direction of the panning buttons in Scratchpad is also going to be added. We've been getting a lot of requests for that and also to hide the cursor. And some people don't care. I don't really care about it. It's okay. But a lot of people want to get that cursor out of the way. They don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> so that's coming. Uh, small things like the ability to, to display the name of the currently open file. You've had it open for a while. You draw a blank on what it's called. That's coming as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. The thing I didn't bring with me was a glass of water. <clears throat> um, we've increased the file limit on editable files. 
So the max size currently of an editable file in Scratchpad is 32 kilobytes. That's going to be increased all the way up to one megabyte. So you'll be able to do things and <laughs> take, take notes like you've never been able to take before. So one megabyte in uh, editable files and uh, in uh, readable files up to at least 10 megs. I'm hearing the possibility of 100 megabytes. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but 10 megabytes readable files as well. And that's huge for anything you want to open up. And we're adding backwards search. So you can search both forward and backwards. And a biggie, ready? One of the things we are implementing is that it will be possible to edit BRF, BRL, and BRA files, <clears throat> BRA used in Spain. So you'll now be able to edit those files, the Braille formatted files. And finally, uh, the, the other thing I want to talk about is it will no longer be necessary to use a locking code. So if you don't want to put in the four zeros, you can turn that off and just pair your unit very quickly. We actually implemented that because of our visits to the summer shows. And we discovered when we, <laughs> when we brought out our, uh, our Braille displays with, with Bluetooth that there's a bazillion Bluetooth devices and a bazillion focused Braille displays after they've been on the market for a while. And uh, we needed to be able to differentiate them. So we, uh, we had the locking code in there just as a way to, to make you find the device you wanted to pair with and find it. So that will be, um, that will be optional now. And the last thing I'll talk about that we're doing in Scratchpad is we're fixing the move by paragraph. Some of you have noticed <laughs> that instead of moving by a block paragraph like you'd expect, Scratchpad, when you were using the, um, the nav rockers, would move by 10 lines at a time, which isn't exactly a paragraph. Uh, it will now move by a regular paragraph. <clears throat> now, to step a little further afield, um, there is a suite of applications. It's been announced before for LBraille, but one in particular that I'm really excited about is called LEdit. And LEdit is something we've needed in the Windows world for quite a while <clears throat> because it is, is it, it is a full-featured Braille and text editor. Now, we've got big text editors like Word and that kind of thing, but they don't handle Braille very well. So LEdit's mission in life is to let you be able to edit, uh, to compose, to edit, um, to emboss documents in Braille, okay? Or you can open up Braille files like you would receive, let's say from uh, the BARD program, NLS BARD or Bookshare. You can open them up, you can read them, and Windows, of course, doesn't know what to do with Braille. You know, we've all looked at it, I think, in Notepad, and it will uh, let you see it. But if you try and use speech, it's, it's uh, cartoon cuss words. It's all these different symbols and things. Well, JAWS has been tweaked and improved and... Uh, made to be able to, in, in conjunction with LEdit, to look at a Braille file and read it out loud properly. <clears throat> We've done a demonstration of this. I used a, a popular mechanics file I got from my BARD account, and it reads it beautifully. So for those of us who are, like to read our books in Braille, but then when we're doing, uh, I use it when I'm scrubbing. I'm scrubbing walls and ceilings and things. Uh, my hands are cruddy, but I want to continue the book I'm reading. I'll, I don't mind using synthesized speech. So now, JAWS can read Braille out loud. LEdit will let you compose Braille documents. It'll even, uh, it'll even save them to a Word document. It'll back translate them for you <clears throat> and put them into Word. So you can then get in there and, and do a lot of the things that Word offers. The, I call it the prettying. <laughs> Add the formatting and all the styles and things you need, but you can begin with a Braille document. Or it will forward translate from plain text to Braille. So you can get a source document that you want to have in Braille, grab it, 
let LEdit forward translate it. So there's a lot of other features there. It's a neat thing. It will be coming out first for the L Braille and then it'll be uh, later released for Windows in general. And uh, there's been a quite a bit of excitement about that. Uh, it is pretty neat. Uh, the other thing back into JAWS land that I really, really like and I'm really excited about <clears throat> is Braille Math Editor. And I know it's more in, uh, more in, uh, in, in Eric's bailiwick, but it kind of rolls over into mine since it's Braille. And we now have the ability to enter math equations using Nemeth Braille right into Word. There's a simple command that invokes the editor, puts you into an edit field, and you can write the equation, a line of an equation using Nemeth Braille, just like you would write it on a Braille writer, press enter, and it's dropped into a Word document using the correct arithmetic no notation. So it all looks proper. It reads right, it looks right. Uh, there's no um, uh, Word abbreviations for things, none of that. It, it goes in and grabs words, math ability, uh, and puts those symbols directly into the document. If you want to do multi-lines, it's really easy. You press the end key to go to the right of your line of equation, press enter, go back into the math editor, drop your next line of, uh, of mathematics in there, and you can keep doing this line after line after line. So for students who need to show their works, for professionals who need to show equations, that's all available now. And, and that to me is a, is a big leap forward, and I hope that keeps uh, continuing to grow. So Eric, let me send it back over to you. That's all I've got for now. That's great. And uh, Windows 11 on LBraille, I understand uh, we're in good shape if you've got a, a current generation LBraille. <laughs> I should not have forgotten that, should I? Yes, you're right. The, uh, the current version, the version that works with the Focus 5th generation Braille display works just fine with Windows 11. Uh, the product manager, Adi Kushner, has already checked that out, and uh, there's no problem with that. The one thing I do need to mention is for those who have the older unit that works with the fourth generation Braille display, Focus Braille display, that's using an Intel PC stick. It's been around since about 2016. It is a 32-bit device. It runs the 32-bit version of Windows. So Windows 11 is only being released as a 64-bit uh, operating system. It will not work on the older L Brails, but it will work on the current ones that work with the Focus 5th uh, generation display. Excellent. You know, there are still some folks out there that have Windows 7 machines. And if you're one of those lucky people that still run a Windows 7 machine, maybe it's not your full-time computer, but maybe you still have one up and running at home, uh, get the July update installed and that will be the end. We're not going to be installing on Windows 7 starting with the 2022 version. It's going to tell you, it's going to refer you back to the downloads page and ask you to go back to 2021. That'll be the last release on Windows 7. Um, and it's important. Uh, it helps us to uh, uh, lighten the code a little bit in JAWS, keep, get a little leaner, uh, takes away a lot of the the testing needs that we have when we have to test on all the operating systems. So it's just going to help us make a stronger and better product for the future going forward. And Microsoft has really uh, cut way back now on Windows 7. Security patches aren't getting there. And if you're connected to the internet, you're going to run into troubles uh, down the road, much like the way people with the old XP machines did. So if you've still got a Windows 7 machine and that's your only one, this would be a good time to start thinking about maybe buying a new computer running Windows 11. And with that, I don't know, Mike, Michelle, I don't know if you guys had something you wanted to throw in or we can get to questions. I'm going to toss it over to you and let you guys decide. Yeah, absolutely. I think we would like to just for a couple of minutes, talk about a couple brand new categories in 
video magnification that weren't out there before and really speaks to our innovation as a company. And one of those is the foldable desktop. And recently we've come out with the Clearview Go uh, as well as um, the same type of unit in our other brands, which is we are no longer a company that just makes these desktop machines that cannot go from room to room. They're very stationary. We are being very innovative and coming up with products that you can take with you based on lifestyle, much like we do with obviously our brailers and having the nice cases and having them go with you. We are now doing that with our desktop units. Wouldn't you say that foldable mic is uh, really been kind of taking the market by storm as being something that you can take with you or as a snowbird, bring from place to place. It has. And you know, the thing that I think people love about it is the quality of the camera too, that 1080p high definition. Uh, you've got that distance capability. You've got the self-facing. Um, and then also obviously the desktop magnification. And that distance is just spectacular. Uh, you and I have done some webinars on these in the past with Rachel's team. And I know the feedback has always been spectacular. And then you've got that five-hour battery life. So a lot of the people that I'm working with um, are the teachers for kids in the schools, you know, and they love it because it's also a, a sturdy product. You know, the kids aren't always the most gentle on these things. So it's kind of a testament to say, you know, if you're an adult looking at these units, it's going to last you forever just because the quality of it is so good. So, yeah, it's a it's a good unit. You know, the trade you know, the trade shows when we get to go in person, uh, it just occurred to me that the folks that haven't been able to go to conventions at all now for we're going on, we're coming up on two years here. Uh, once we get to next, next, uh, spring and mm -hmm. they haven't been able to get their hands on any of this technology. You don't get to feel what the new, you know, it's one thing to hear about foldable. It's another thing to put your hands on it and feel it. So I think people are really looking forward to get back to the conventions Absolutely. see the things that, that they haven't. And we're looking forward to getting out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing uh, I'd like to touch on, Michelle and I did a presentation on this a couple weeks ago too, is we also have the uh, Optelec Compact 10, which is another product that unfortunately it came out right before the shutdowns and all that when we weren't traveling. And talk about a powerful product. So it's a 10-inch tablet touchscreen uh, video magnifier but it has this fold-out arm that flips out to the right and basically converts this tablet portable unit into a desktop unit as well. You've got the capability of magnifying a full eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Uh, you've got enough space under the camera if you're doing hobbies and things like that. It comes in two flavors. You've got the non-OCR mode or non-optical character rec recognition scanning um, or one with the scanning capability. Uh, which I think if you're doing it, you're almost better off getting the one with the scanning capability because it's going to grow with you. If your eyes start to fatigue, you can snap an image and have it read back to you. It's uh, super portable, again, only 10 inches. And, you know, the weight um, is really lightweight. You've got great battery life on it. Uh, it weighs just over two pounds. And you've got, I think, what, Michelle, a four-hour battery life uh, of continuous use. So, that's going to get you through a lot of the day. And we've had great, you know, feedback on that product too. So those are two of the, the newest and, you know, most popular units I think we've got out there right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
I do want to remind everyone we do an education series as well every second Thursday of the month. Um, Mike and I will pick a product that has to do with video magnification and we will do a live demonstration as well as go into all the features. And I think that arm you just spoke about, Mike, really talks to the fact that we listen to the field. People wanted something that was portable that they could write underneath very ergonomically. And by swinging that extra camera out, now they can fill out forms when you're at the doctor's office, um, really anything out in the field, you have all this room and it fits on any size desk. So um, keep the feedback coming to us as a company. We are listening and appreciate those thoughts and suggestions. Great, and with that, we've got a lot of hands up. So we'll throw it back to, I'm not sure who's gonna- Monica. Monica's <laughs> gonna do the hands. Okay, Monica. So we will go to Howard. Good morning. Thank you very much, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for your presentation. I have a couple small issues with JAWS, and I don't know what's going on. One is, and it's happening on two different laptops. They're both Hewlett Packards, but not exact same model. Uh, the G disappears. The G disappears, and then you got to restart JAWS to get the G to work again. And also, at times. The alt key seems to get engaged and you can't do anything until you reload JAWS to get rid of the alt key being simultaneous with other keys. Have you heard of this? Well, I certainly would appreciate the alt key getting stuck. Uh, that's what's happening is that there's some way you're pressing the keys or some combination that uh, makes JAWS uh, keyboard hooking uh, basically make that alt key stuck down. And I'm sure you've tried tapping on it a bunch of times to see if it, it would free back up, and that doesn't work. Right, correct. And yeah. it's uh, with uh, it doesn't matter whether I'm using an external keyboard on the laptop or the laptop keyboard. I mean, if I unplug the external one and go to the laptop keyboard, the alt key still stuck. So it's not a mechanical issue. It's not a mechanical issue. No, it's something in our hooking. <laughs> uh, I'm sure of it. And the G... This is the first I've heard of anything like that. It does so, it on both my computer and my wife's. More on hers. Really? I might be able to answer that for you. All right, Liz. Maybe. This is, a, this is the great thing about having a bunch and, of people. And after, the G after the G disappears, everything you type after that, even though Jaws is saying it, it's not going to the... Uh, it's to not the entering anything. Yep, yep. Right. right. So Windows has a feature called the Game Bar. And sometimes what will happen is the Windows of key will course. kind of get stuck. And then if you type G, it wants to activate that. So if you just press the Windows key a few times and then see if you can type your G after that. Okay. And so is there a way to disable the game bar? There probably is. I believe you can go into settings. I'm not sure about that because I'm not finding it on my computer. But let's see here. You can turn the game bar off. Yes. So if you go to Windows settings with uh, Windows I, then you can type in game bar and press down arrow. And then it'll say enable Xbox game bar. And you'll keep pressing tab until you hear a description of it. And then you can disable that. You should be able to disable it with your, your space bar there. We'll give that a try. That, that sounds, that be great. that'll be great for that one. <laughs> yeah. If you keep having that issue, definitely get in touch with us and, uh, you know, if 
this might also this might also be one that you could call the dis the accessibility desk at Microsoft. Yes. And let them know that we spoke with you and that we believe this has got to do with that game bar. And I'm sure they're hearing about it as well. Okay. And then the alt thing, who knows what's going on there? Well, I bet it's related. We'll turn that game thing off. And, and if you're back. still getting a stuck key after that, by all means, call our support uh, and or check with the accessibility desk. Okay. Thanks, Howard. Okay. Next, we'll go to Sean. Good morning. Thank you guys for your presentation. Um, I know from my using an Android device that um, Nuance, Microsoft, RealSpeak, whoever they are today, um, have released a uh, Vietnamese voice. And I'm wondering if you're looking at, not necessarily for localizations of JAWS, but are you continuing to look at new languages of voices being released with consideration for including those in uh, future versions of JAWS. I know there are parts of California and Texas where there's quite a large Vietnamese community, and that would be very helpful to those users. Thank you. Great question. And uh, the company is called Serance. Uh, Nuance spun off Serance with their uh, synthesizer division a few years ago. How in the world do you spell that? <laughs> C-E-R-E-N- CE, I think, Serance. And they tried to pick a name that sounded like Nuance. But uh, I just wanted to clarify who the company was. So it's Serance, and we have a great relationship with them. And we ship Eloquence and Vocalizer Expressive from them. And the new uh, Vietnamese voice is part of the 2.1 version of Vocalizer Expressive. And without giving anything away about the 2022 update, yes, uh, watch for that, okay? All right, thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, Sean. Next, we'll go to Mitchell. Uh, hi, Eric. Hi, Mitchell. Hey, um, are you guys going to integrate the team script? Are we going to integrate a team scripts? So we are constantly trying to let's say massage the interface that we have to teams. Um, I will tell you that this is active development on Microsoft side and our side. So they're making changes and they just roll out. Uh, so one day you're running teams and the next day something has changed and you didn't even know, know what was happening. They just push these updates to us. Um, so we are working closely with them to continue to improve upon the usability. I will tell you that we meet with um, the accessibility person who is now uh, responsible for accessibility within Teams, and we're meeting with that person every other week. And we have uh, a plan in place, and you'll continue to see improvements there. Um, so stay up to date. And that's a long way of saying, yes, it will get better. Not necessarily through scripting, but uh, where scripts can be used to enhance the experience, it will. But there's a lot of underlying problems that need to get resolved, and we're trying to help Microsoft get those resolved. Okay? Okay, next we'll go to Alan. Hi, Eric. Uh, yeah, the quick access toolbar, you said, in version 2022 is going to be context-sensitive. Is each application going to have 
eight slots in that so uh, yes uh and we probably you know we're not going to ship a bunch of different application settings for it but we may do some like for maybe email and a web we might put different ones in especially on the fusion side but uh yes you'll be able to make uh the quick access bar have eight different items for every application you gain focus and and it just switches as you as you move between apps so that's the plan great thanks so much yep okay next we'll go to Jeanette good morning Eric so I have two questions for you the first is have there been any recent updates on open book and I'll ask you my second one because it's related please um, is it correct that in my understanding, if I were to go to a library computer, put OpenBook on it, but not have a flatbed scanner, that would then allow me to use a Pro camera? Uh, so the answer to the first question is no. We don't have any updates uh, or upgrades scheduled for that. And part of the reason, well, most of the reason for that is that OpenBook was developed back around 1990 and there were several different coders that have worked on it over the years. And each time we've gone back to look at trying to change something, uh, it opens up some big cans of worms. And uh, the reality is open book, what it does, it does very well. And uh, we're not going to change it. Now, your second question is, if I install open book on a computer that doesn't have a flatbed scanner, but I plug in a Perl camera to that computer. Can I use Perl with open book? And the answer is absolutely. Uh, you'll have to talk to the people at your library. You may need to get an IT person involved uh, to make sure that you have the permissions to have that installed. But uh, yes, you can use Perl camera with it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Fran. Hi. Um, I have a question about PDFs. Um, with Charles, we're running the current update, the latest, you know, whatever's out there. Mm -hmm. And some PDFs will open and read fine, and others absolutely refuse no matter what I do. And I'm wondering why that is and what, how to fix it. So there's a couple, there's, there could be a lot of things going on, but one of the things uh, that I believe will help, first of all, when you open up these PDFs, uh, are they big PDFs? Sometimes. And when you open up one of those big PDFs, does it start reading uh, pretty quickly or does it wait a long time? It waits. Okay. So if, if it's set up to load the whole document, this is an Adobe setting and I recommend it. Uh, you want it to be able to load the whole document so that you'll have search capability so that you can uh, see the entire document in the virtual search of JAWS. When you do a JAWS find, it can find what you're looking for. Otherwise, and I think the default is that it's only going to scan uh, a few pages and then it's going to start reading while it scans more in the background. And so you start reading this thing and immediately try and page down or do a find and look for something that you know is there and it can't find it. Uh, so if that's the issue, make sure that it's set to scan the whole document or open the whole document and put it in the virtual buffer before it starts to read. Okay. Uh, if it were an image file, which of course won't read, 
by default, if you have Microsoft Word installed uh, and you open it in Acrobat Reader 10, Acrobat Reader X, I think that's what it's called, um, or and, and I guess that should have been my first question. Are you reading these in the browser or are you reading them in Acrobat Reader? I don't know. <laughs> are, you, are you doing it? Are you are you browsing on the internet and you find a PDF document and you're trying to open it from your browser? No, it's usually something that somebody has emailed me. Okay. Right, but by default, PDF is going to want to open in the browser, not in Acrobat Reader. And you may need to install Acrobat Reader, yeah, uh, Acrobat Reader X on your computer. It's okay. free. Uh, just watch out because when you're trying to install any of these things, they're always wanting to say. Let's switch your default browser too. You pay so, attention as you tab through. There's a bunch of checkboxes. Yeah, you don't want to get McAfee them. or anything like that. Don't no, let it change no, no, any no, of that no, stuff. No, no, no. But you want to have Acrobat Reader on there. And if you have Acrobat Reader, uh, that should do a very good job with PDF documents. And if it's an image file and you open it in Acrobat Reader, JAWS will detect that it's an image file and offer to OCR it immediately. So you, it'll put it right into the virtual buffer. Okay. Uh, alternatively, you can go to that file in Windows Explorer and you can open the context menu while you're on the file. If you have Microsoft Word and say, mm -hmm. uh, open this or OCR this, uh, convenient OCR this directly to Microsoft Word. So it'll open that PDF file right into Microsoft Word and you can read it there. Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> yep. Now, those features, that OCR capability, that stuff is all described in the 2021 What's New page. Uh, you can get to it from the help menu, or you can go to the Freedom Scientific homepage under Software Updates. The first link under Software Updates is JAWS 2021. If you open that page up and search for PDF, you'll find the topic that talks about that. Okay. Okay, next we'll go to Larry. Hi, Eric, how are you? Great, Larry, how's Texas? Oh, hot. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think probably for Ron Miller, I got the question I have is for Ron Miller. Uh, uh, back in earlier in the, in the spring, uh, you had a presentation where you talked about a bridge that would make the Pearl camera work in uh, Kurzweil. And I've installed it. And I even updated the firmware and the camera. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't work well. Very poor result. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you had any thoughts on that. And another, my quick question is, uh, is there anything, we love the convenient OCR. Is there just a general, I know OpenBook isn't updating, but do y'all have any plans to do anything major with OCR in terms of a package or anything? Uh, is there anything on the horizon in the OCR front? Thanks. And Ron, let me answer first, and then I'm going to step for away for just a second. So on the OCR front, uh, in the 2022 update, we're updating OmniPage. So watch for that. We're hoping to have some more improvements on recognition and we'll, we'll have to see. I know that uh, I think this is gonna include the ability to have a Citrix connection or a, a terminal server connection to a, another machine and be able to have OCR done on the other machine, which isn't working currently. And with that, I'm gonna turn it to Ron and I'll be right back. 
Okay, and that's pretty exciting for people that are doing this um, <clears throat> in an office or remote office setting too, um, or pushing from you know, big servers. So as far as the um, the driver, the third-party driver for for uh, for the Pearl, I, I haven't got any direct experience with it, Larry. I haven't tried it. Um, it is, as I understand it, you're supposed to just be able to load that driver, and it should work with uh, the Kurzweil product and also with say the KNFB reader for PC, that kind of thing. Okay. Are, uh, are you finding, oh, before you move sorry. on, are you, are you, it's okay. You want to give him, uh, mute him again. Are you finding that the, the results are, are consistently bad or is it, what, what's the symptoms? Uh, no, I get consistently a bad result. It works. It, it will, uh, <clears throat> Kurzweil will let you choose the pearl and, mm -hmm. and it will take a picture but the resolution is like 112. I mean, I looked and said what kind of parameters I was getting, and the results are really bad. Doesn't work at all with KNFE. I much that doesn't bother me. I don't use it much. So, sure. but yeah, the uh, we love the convenient OCR and would love yeah. because we use the the Bookshare. We scan for Bookshare, and so it's sure. the packages we're using both Open Book. Uh, and Kurzweil do very nice jobs, mm -hmm. but you know, but they're very old now, and we yeah. would love convenient OCR ported into something that we could use to process uh, books. Well, Excuse to, me, Larry, to... I'm going to interrupt for a minute. We have a minute left. Okay, oh, well, that's I'm it. Done. You can Thank you. Fire me a note offline, Larry, and maybe we can dig further at this. Thank you, Mitchell. Hello. 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 Um, Mitchell, go ahead. Hi. So, just a Got quick a question because I I know that. You were uh, mentioning Windows 11 and mm -hmm. JAWS 2022 um, doing away with Windows 7. Um, I've noticed after upgrading to a uh, um, computer with uh, AMD Ryzen uh, 5000 that there are some uh, problems with um, just, uh, it, uh, I think performance could be a little better. Like, I'm curious if there's any way to speed up um, just JAWS performance in general, or if that's going to be able to be a thing in the future with 2022. I just came in on the tail end of that. Was that VM Horizon, VMware Horizon that you just mentioned? Mm, what what no. was it you were using? Tell us again what your oh, computer is. I'm using a Asus uh, Zephyrus G14. It's a AMD Ryzen 5000. So he wants he I wants see. snappier JAWS performance, and he wants to know if it's going to be in 22. Well, we're always trying to streamline it, and this is mm -hmm. part of the uh, issues where we're going to eliminate code that did Windows 7. We're also making some modifications for Office applications that I think are going to make it feel more responsive there, but uh, I, I can't speak specifically to that AMD processor. Oh, yeah, I, I was just using that as like a just baseline of knowing what I have. Yeah. Well, believe me, this is, I mean, first and foremost, the most important part of our products, uh, the thing that we think about every day is about making it responsive and making it stable. That's what we're always trying to do. I mean, yes, we try and put features in. Yes, we try and update OCR and synthesizers. But first and foremost, we got to make it really usable. And remember, uh, the, there's a lot of folks in our company that do their jobs using this software. And, and if it's not fast enough, uh, it's a problem for all of us. So we, we are all, always working on that. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Thanks, Thank you guys. all. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for having us.